Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Renee, good morning. How are you this morning, Renee? (laughs) I'm very good, Lyle, and can I tell you why? Yes. Because I drove here in my yellow Fiat car that is fixed and no longer dented. So the little itty-bitty Fiat is parked outside, no longer with kangaroo damage. It's nice and bright and shiny. Yes. It's, it's almost – is it yellow or is it mustard? It's mustard. It's mustard. Yes. I thought so. Okay, yeah. so it's, a, it's mustard. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a very cute car. <laughs> Thank it you. It is about the size of my little blue Suzuki – I don't know which one's bigger. It'd be interesting to compare the two, but yeah, they're yeah. about the same size as each other. We drive fuel misers. Yes, we do. And so, that's a positive thing. That's a positive thing for the because, environment but, and, and, and for, for our and bank. For the, and for the back pocket. Oh. Yes. The <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we don't usually use the back pocket anymore, do we? I haven't used the back pocket. I haven't carried a wallet for years. Yeah, yeah. No need. It's just all in the phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the front pocket. <laughs> so it's easier on the front pocket. There you go. Nice. All right. Well, this morning I am thankful for the outback. Oh, okay. Yes. Why? Why? Well, Australia has an outback. Nowhere else in the world has an outback. You know? Yeah, that's true. Just thinking about it. And one of the things that I noticed when I went to the United States the first time when I was 20 was how claustrophobic I felt after doing a bit of a road trip. Wait. What? I felt claustrophobic. And, and the reason was, you know, you're sort of you're living in, you know, near a town and we went for a road trip. And anywhere in Australia, the further you drive, the thinner the population becomes. Yes, yes. And anywhere in the United States, you just drive from one city to the, there's just another one and there's another. And the population never thins out. And after, I just, I just felt claustrophobic. So I love Australia. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have some positively different news to get us started today. Okay, so on some positive news, um, this one comes from Hobart in a town called uh, Tranmere. Tranmere, Hobart. Yes. And so I guess all over Australia, what's pretty common is seeing sheep grazing in the, in the paddock. And that's, that's no different for this area in Hobart. Um, uh, but that's not necessarily what caught the attention of this man called Nick D'Alessandro yesterday. Um, you, you know, you see sheep usually grazing, but what he saw was a farmer leading a sheep, uh, with a, with a leash, just walking down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And he thought that was quite a funny sight. So Nick saw this, this, this farmer who we, who we learned was farmer Dave leading his sheep down the road, uh, just going for a walk. Um, and he, he snapped a quick photo and he posted it on Facebook and he thought it was pretty funny. Ha, look, look, like this is pretty funny guys. Um, but he didn't realize how popular this sheep actually was in Tranmere in, in this town. And um, she's actually a quite a, a common sight. This sheep is known as Mary. So Mary um, is a very popular sheep. Um, a lot of people comment her that, like she's quite famous in, in that, that town. Now, Mary, Mary the sheep, belo- belongs to father, I mean, not father, sorry, farmer Dave's granddaughter. Um, and her name is Valentina. And they raised Mary on a bottle in the house and with a lamb growing uh, and enjoying the company of people more than other sheep. And so as 
Mary got older, she began to help keep the grass down around um, around the, the roads, near the paddocks. And so she's kind of become a celebrity among the residents. Um, Mary occupy, occupies many vacant blocks of the land. Um, and so sometimes she's tethered to... Um, fence but usually she's allowed to roam free she's sort of like a lawnmower like but a cute one and that everyone loves a famous lawnmower that eats up the grass and people know her well yeah well who doesn't want a free lawnmower around the place you know (laughs) it's just like i'd I'd open my front case like yeah come on you know come in and uh have a bit of a nibble here so long as you don't have a veggie patch going that uh might get destroyed that's true or at least fence off your veggie patch yes i've raised sheep Oh, you have? Yes, on a bottle from birth. Yeah. And they make the most amazing pets. Oh, how how are they different? Because this article says, like, children especially love Mary because Mary's not all over you like a dog for kids. Yes. And she doesn't walk away like a cat, but she's very friendly and just very gentle. So Yeah, it's kind of halfway in between. So they are quite independent. Yes. But not as independent as a cat. Yeah. Uh, but not as you know, needy as a dog. Ah. You know, I love the neediness of a dog. I love the fact that my dog needs me and and just, you know, lavishes attention yeah. all over me all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that that's it's, – it's true. You kind of wish – you know, I remember wishing as a kid that my sheep would be <laughs> – Maybe a little less independent. They're yeah. certainly very dependent when they're a, when they're a, a lamb. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they 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 just come running all the time and bleeding for food, and they just you know love you to bits and climb all over you and chew on your hair and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's. Really and of course, sweet. if you raise goats, they'll try and climb on your head. Uh, oh. Yes, because goats are climbing creatures. They love to be at the highest point. They will always go to the highest point of you know any paddock that you put them in. Uh, so often, if you've got a bit of a uh, uh, a shelter there for them from the weather, mm-hmm. they'll be straight on top of the roof. And odd creatures. They do like hill mountains, mountain yes. goats. They love, they love mountains. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, that goes basically what you're saying. Small children, especially during COVID, the pandemic, people were going out for walks. And so many kids would see Mary grazing. And like they said that sometimes Mary came to them and they could tell when she was in a mood, she didn't want to hang out with them. But she was a very friendly sheep. She'll come over and, and the kids can pat Mary. Um, Mary, they say Mary did a grand job of keeping the grass down, but people, she has, she has a particular taste now and people give her wheat bicks. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so she munches on grass a bit, but mostly she's fed wheat bix and biscuits. So she's Mary the wheat bix uh, sheep that they call her, um, and and she's she's very charming. They say. Um, I'm going to have to ask my brother about this. He lives in Lauderdale, which is not too far from Tranmere. Oh, yes. So uh, ask him whether he knows about this particular sheep. In fact, yeah, well, Farmer Dave, uh, she's very popular around. She, she hangs around. So if you see her, Farmer Dave is very happy for you to come and say hi. But he says it, it wouldn't be fair to come empty-handed. So do do come with gifts in hand. <laughs> sheep are way less independent and way friendlier. Pet ones, yes. When you have food in your hand, yes, yes, <laughs> very, very much so. Um, when people, I think she's very, she's so famous that when people don't see her around, they're like, "Where's Mary? Where's Mary?" And then Farmer Davis, he he just tells them, "Well, she's up on this side, just um, uh, dealing with the lawn over there, where we can't really see her." So uh, her absence is very much missed. Not only uh, does this town have. Uh, Mary the Wheatbix sheep. They also have another famous animal, the famous cow Lisa. 
Um, Lisa is another animal that Dave owns and she's quite famous as well, but for different reasons. She won't mow your lawn, but new residents often may find uh, a cow in their front 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 lawn and so they they post ah there's a there's a cow here and um lisa is known to break through fences and figure her way into places so she's a bit of a houdini then (laughs) she is she is so there's a bit of a problem with okay so i love cows (laughs) and they are the best pets ever yes but when they get in your front lawn they leave divots all over the place oh do it makes it really hard to mow because they are incredibly heavy oh yeah ever had a cow stand on your foot no, no. No, they're heavy. They're the, definitely heavy. I don't want, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. They weigh a lot. <laughs> yes. Don't want a cow standing on your foot. Yes. So, well, hopefully Lisa won't find um, find any more to any more people to ruin their lawns. Um, she's, she's very notorious uh, for fence breaking during the night, but as she's gotten older, she's found it a bit too hard, so... And maybe um, the fences have been made a little bit stronger than what they were the first time around. Because yes. I've found that when an animal breaks out of a fence, you go back and you look at it and say, okay, how did they break out of this? Let me make it make it a fence that they will not break out of next time. Yeah. And so I'd say that probably all of those weak points have been repaired. They've been repaired. Yeah. Maybe even an electric wire. That electric wire always solves oh, the problem. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know walking, coming into college, I do love seeing the, the cows and the sheep when we drive in, but there are fences to make sure they don't break into yes. the college grounds. Indeed. Make sure Indeed. we're safe. Yeah. So. Uh, I do love animals and uh, we used to have goats as well, of course. They will climb out of anything. You have to have some serious fences to keep goats <laughs> in. But uh, animals are beautiful to have and always enjoy having them around the place. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. What should we talk about this morning? There has been a species of squid discovered in Australia. In fact, they've found five of them that's never been seen in Australia before. Cool. Okay, so this is uh, a squid that is about eight metres long. Oh, no, I don't like it. You know, you know the squid? Yeah. I think squid are cool. Yeah. Uh, but most of, <laughs> mostly that, it doesn't have a very big, it's got a tiny body. She's got really, really long, do you call them tentacles? Not tentacles, tentacles legs. Squids have legs like an octopus, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that are super, super long, like long spaghetti. Yes. So long spaghetti trailing sting? after them. No, they don't sting, as far as we know. Uh, they, they were discovered 3,000 metres. Oh, that's deep. Deep off this Great Australian Bite uh, using a remote control underwater vehicle. And, yeah, they were filmed down there. Never, never been seen in this – Pretty much they've only ever been seen and described when they've either died and washed up on a beach somewhere or been found in the stomach of, you know, something like a sperm whale or something like that when scientists have been uh, looking for them. And, yeah, they were just sort of reviewing the footage and suddenly this thing popped into the screen and then they kept going and then there was another one and another one and another (laughs) one. And on this particular trip they discovered 300 new species that have never been seen or described by science before. Which just goes to show that when it comes to the natural world, there is far more that we don't know than we do know. That's so true. And one of the things you find, you know, the more you study, the more you find out just how much we don't know. Mm. Of course, we need to be praying for the Philippines again. They're getting hit by a typhoon again. Mm. It's almost like the Philippines has been hit by one after another after another, and they just come up for a breath and another one hits them. Uh, this time, uh, Typhoon Vanco. 200,000 people have been evacuated. Uh, three people have been killed so far. 1.9 million people without power. And, of course, this is a uh, 
<clears throat> a developing country, and so this raises so many challenges to for them to be able to get it back up and running. There are places that have been flooded that have never ever been flooded before. P- places that people thought were flood proof, and they are not. And so, yeah, this is a string of typhoons that have hit the Philippines this year. Uh, so, uh, sorry, Typhoon Goni was the strongest so far, and of course, thirty people died in that particular typhoon. Okay, so uh, on other news, uh, Biden has had a conversation with the Pope. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first head of state that he's spoken to since the election. And uh, he has uh, received the blessing of the Pope and congratulations of the Pope. So interesting moves there, particularly seeing as, okay, the election has been decided, but there are a number of court cases that have not yet been decided. And... You know, I guess we all want to know the truth of what happens and we want the truth we want the true thing to take place. And so if there are questions, let's have the questions answered because it is a close election. If it wasn't a close election, it's like, okay, just get on with it. Just mm. just just move on already. Yeah. Uh, but because it's close, okay, recount the votes, check whether there was any anything wrong, anything untoward done, and let's find out. Yeah. Are they conspiracy theories or are they not conspiracy theories? If they're conspiracy theories, fine, get over it, move on. If they are, if if they are true conspiracies, then we need to, we need to, we need answers. When an election is close, you need answers, mm. and so this is going to take a little while for it all to play out. What's interesting is that uh, for Joe Biden to uh, contact, you know, the first head of state for him to contact since the election, being the Pope. Of course, we need to remember that Joe Biden is a devout Roman Catholic mm-hmm. and holds a degree from. The uh, from Jesuit um, Scranton University, and uh, which makes an interesting mix in American politics, where you have a devout Roman Catholic with a degree from a Jesuit college, with a Supreme Court that leans right politically, but is also. Uh, seven out of nine Roman Catholic. Mm. So it's going to make for an interesting, uh, a, a very interesting term between, you know, which, which direction is the Supreme Court going to go? Are they going to support the president who is actually kind of the opposite of where they are at? So, yeah, you've got a right-wing Supreme Court, a left-wing uh, potential president, Um yeah, it's it's an, inter- an interesting thing. It's also interesting to to note the role that education plays because, you know, in our Bible study time, we've been talking about education. Education is the most powerful force that exists, uh, because and, and the Jesuits have long recognised this, and which is why they have focused their attention not on politics nor on funding, but on education. Mm-hmm. Because if you can education educate the young, you can educate the future. You can control the future. And it's a much slower process, but vastly more effective. Yeah. And so we have, you know, probably the two largest superpowers in the world right now being the Vatican and the United States, who are now both on the same page together. Uh, you have um, a, you know, a very left, a left-leaning pope and a very left-leaning president in the United States. So you know, they're both on the same page from that perspective as well. Yeah, it's just 
it's it's just very fascinating, yeah. particularly when you look at you know the impact of education in the U.S. right now, where out of 127, you know, for every 127 professors, you know, university lecturers, there are um, 127 that are uh, Democrat and 10 that are Republic. That does really affect. That's going to have a massive um, effect on the future. 50 years yeah. ago, it was you know, your average 50-50 split, which is what you would expect. Yeah. Uh, but that does show the trage- trajectory for the future of uh, where things will go. Yeah, hmm. it just, it's, it's, it's interesting to see where the you know where where, where the emphasis yeah. has been placed. Uh, okay, so Kamala Harris has also been talking about religion, mm-hmm. and this is significant because I don't think anyone is under any shadow of a doubt that. You know, if the court cases go the way that we expect them to go and uh, Biden and Kamala um, are the new administration, I don't think anyone expects Biden to last two terms. Really? Well, he's so old. Yes. You know, he, he would be ancient by the time he got to the end of a second term, which means that, you know, we are you know, most likely looking at Kamala Harris as the uh, president after Biden. Yeah. Um, so she's spoken about a faith-based law enforcement program. Okay. So this has been talked about before, and this is basically to protect um, communities from hate crimes. Hey, all right. Now this is this is, on the surface, it's a good thing. It all depends how you define a hate crime, mm-hmm. because hate crimes can and have been used to actually persecute Christians from the perspective of limiting freedom of speech. Hmm. So there are many things that you know uh, an average Christian would say when they promote their religion over another religion and say, no, that religion is wrong, and suddenly that becomes a hate crime to say that another religion is wrong. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, so there's the slippery slope that you can go yeah. down with it. So we've got to be very, very careful of this, and we've seen it happen in the past. Yeah. We could see it happen I- again in the future. Um, you know, there would be a whole. There's possibly a whole bunch of books that could simply be banned under hate crime legislation that have been, you know, popular books amongst Christians for the last 150 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Kamala Harris is an interesting person. She's the daughter of a of a uh, of a Hindu Hindu mother, wow. Baptist father, okay, uh, Indian mother, um, Jamaican father. So, uh, and married to a Jewish man. Wow. So, you know, there's your full mix right yeah. there. So she'll definitely have a good understanding mm-hmm. of minorities. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully that will be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did block a Sikh from employment uh, back in 2011 uh, because he refused to shave his beard. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk. Luke, welcome to the show once again. Hi, Lyle. Thanks for having me back. Luke, I understand there's been big things happening in your life recently. What's happening up your way? Ah, well, we were actually in the process of moving. As I as I speak to you now, I am surrounded by boxes and half packed half packed things because we've we've bought a place and we're we're moving into a new place on Sunday. So, okay, so I think that this is something that uh, all of us can relate to. We've all been there at one time. Now, mm-hmm. on your on your uh, rate of favorite things to do, where does moving <laughs> sit? 
Uh, it's probably sits somewhere between teeth extraction and getting a bill from the government. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the reality for most people when it comes to moving. We like the idea of going to a new place, but it's the process. Mm. of packing and unpacking and moving all the gear. But anyway, congratulations, and hopefully that will go well for you. Thank in you. the middle of all, all of the preparations for moving and setting up in a new place and so forth, you have re- managed to record another episode of Oz Table Talk. Uh, yes. Tell us all about it. What did you get into? Okay, so uh, we've dealt with a, a few things, but the, the one that actually went out uh, just a couple of days ago, this week, uh, the title of the episode was Should We Fear Big Data and Social Networks? So this is something that is is a really interesting topic because uh, it's been sort of brought attention to in the public sphere by the documentary that the um, the, um oh the name just escaped me the one that went out on Netflix the the social yeah the one that basically had a yes. bunch of uh, guys from um you know some of the founding guys from like Facebook and so forth some of the major yes. engineers and software engineers who have said look you know there's an algorithm out there that is leading us to World War Three yes. Inevitably, mm. and you kind of you kind of you kind of see that when you look at the United States. I mean, you know, these recent elections they've certainly been fraught with a level of heat that we have not seen in recent times. Absolutely, and I think there's obviously you can't lay all of that blame at the feet of social media, but I think you can certainly see it as a very strong contributing factor. And if it's a contributing factor, then it kind of needs we need to ask some questions about it especially as we look at bible prophecy and we understand you know what happens toward the end of time there's got to be something in there that is useful to us to either know or be aware of and so we we sort of had a a bit of a, a look at that and what it means for christians right okay so there's an algorithm out there somewhere that is building a picture of who you are there's another one building yes. a picture of who I am there's another mm-hmm. one who's building a, building a picture of somebody who has uh, of, of every person who doesn't even have a social media account um, mm-hmm. there's algorithms building a picture of all of us what do we do with that do we just you know isolate ourselves and go and live in a cave somewhere or what was the what were some of the things that were discussed in this discussion so one of the things that were well, the questions that we asked is that you know we all in our in our experience we you know people that are you know strongly against social media for whatever the reason and so that and it is either that they don't like the idea of surveillance they don't like the idea that there's a picture of them that there's a you know that there's an algorithm that's tracking them and and deciding what they see and all the rest of it um and especially if you believe if you believe what the bible talks about when it says at the end of time that you won't be able to buy or sell that the 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 state or the establishment will be against god's people when when you believe that when you have that as a paradigm then you're going to read the in into the picture of social media and think well hey if i'm being tracked then you know is this something that i should be participating in and there's a lot of questions that come up around that but one of the things that we we focused on is that you know for people that believe that their safety is is uh relying upon their relationship with social media their trust and their faith is probably being placed in the wrong thing because ultimately 
if if the government wants to know where you are, wants to find you, they already have enough information to do that. I don't I don't believe that uh, the the I think we should be smart with what we post on social media. But I think as Christians, as long as it, it is not detrimental to our own spirituality, I think we stand to gain a lot more from using it wisely than we do from alienating ourselves from it. Yes, and I think that, you know, when it comes down to surveillance and big government and, you know, big brother, all that kind of thing, you know, when I look at it from my own perspective, I'm like, well, you know, let them survey me. Hopefully they will see a picture of Jesus, not a picture of me in the process. Uh, On the other hand, my biggest objection to social media is the amount of time spent on it. Yes. Yeah, and I think that is a really big deal. There's a, a great thinker, we, we spoke about this in the episode a little bit, um, Simon Sinek, I don't know if you've come across him, but uh, he talks about the, the effect that social media has more so on uh, developing adolescents. And so as you as people go through their adolescent years, it, you know, time has gone by, when you have problems or issues and you're feeling sad, you know, the way you would deal with that would typically be to figure out a solution to your problem or talk to your friends and, you know, develop, you know, get them to help you develop an answer to the to the problem. Whereas now, because there's that little dopamine hit that's available from getting a notification, getting a comment on a photo or whatever it may be, it it's creating these false coping mechanisms that essentially create addictive behaviours for young people because as they're going through their coming of age and they're learning where to gain their strength from, and you know, as Christians, we would we would think that the best place to do that would be in in God and and spirituality and hopefully in in godly friends that are going to lead you in the right direction. Whereas what a lot of kids are getting now is that they're finding their value in how many likes they get, and so that creates a society that has effects that we possibly haven't thought about that much yet. Indeed, indeed. It will be interesting to uh, see where this goes, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years' time from now and we have, you know, a social media generation that is actually running the world. Although we could argue that we have that generation running the world already. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is true. But you know, this is one of the things. The other, the other, like the flip side of the coin, like some of the the things that I think are genuine, like legitimate issues that we we need to ask ourselves about, and, and how our relationship is going to run with social media, is that um, one of the things that was mentioned in the uh, documentary that you you were mentioning was that the this creation of echo chambers, right? Where where if you are a a left leaning person and you watch left leaning content, then Facebook or Google or Instagram, whatever it is, they're going to serve you up more of the same content because ultimately it keeps you on their platform longer. And if you are never, if your beliefs are never challenged, then it pushes you further and further along the spectrum, right? Further along the continuum until you dehumanize the other side. And, you know, you cannot see how any, anyone who disagrees with you could be a rational human being. And so we, due to social media and these algorithms, we're losing the art of graceful disagreement and it's creating the, a melting pot, which wars come out of. And like you say, as this generation, you know, ages and, and takes leadership, that can be a very dangerous thing. And you see this when you talk to people because, you know, people will say things and make statements I've found under the assumption of, well, of course everybody agrees with this. Why would, why would anybody not agree with this? And, and I sort of sometimes I stand there and think, okay, you haven't actually realised that your social media is just an echo box. Yeah, it's just taking your own thoughts and reflecting them straight back at you, and uh, you are now working on the assumption that well, 
everything I see on my social media feed is like everybody thinks the same way. I think the same as everybody else. Well, actually, no, you don't. That's what no. you're being. That's what you're being fed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of the reasons that on for me on social media, I intentionally follow people that I don't agree with because I want to interact with their ideas. I want to see why you know what is the strength of their argument so I can evaluate my own. And so I, I try to combat the algorithm in a sense in doing that. But you know, most people don't. Most people don't don't think of it in that way. And you know, if you don't realize that, probably one of the best things you can do is have a look at you know if you if you're a YouTube user, look at your YouTube page and then log in with with someone else's account, log in with your kid's account or someone else and look at how different the feed is. You know, I know like you know myself and, and my wife, if I log in on her computer and I look at what's on her homepage, it looks completely different. There is a, a totally different worldview that is seen there simply because it has learnt from the things that she has watched that those are the things that she's going to be interested in. It's got nothing to do with what the rest of the world sees. It's got everything to do with what um, YouTube thinks will keep her watching longer. And it's the same if I go on to mine. So, you know, we need to be aware that the, the data set that any of us are using to view the world through if you're using online channels, you need to be very careful that it's not biased media because ultimately most online channels are trying to bias it to make you stay there longer. Okay, so what about the situation of censorship in social media where social media now gets to choose what you see, what you don't see from the standpoint mm. of, for instance, you know, uh, we recently had a speech by the US president and it was blocked across social media because on, on, the, on the basis of fake news. Now, it... Who knows whether it was fake news or not? It wouldn't be any. There would be nothing surprising if it was fake news. But should the social media, should private companies be making that decision for us? Mm. Yeah, and this is the uh, this is a catch twenty two, right? Because in the past they haven't done that, and and that has allowed a lot of misinformation to get out of hand, right? And so then the the public backlash was, well, it's on your platform, so therefore you should be responsible. And so the the platforms have said, you're right, so let's be responsible. We'll fact check for you. And now everyone's saying, oh, well, now you're you're, you're judging what's truth and what's not. So how can you do that? And so my well, I mean, hey, it's the, it's the, it is the president of the United States, whether you, whether 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 he's speaking the truth or not. Yeah, that's um, right. Shouldn't that's we right. actually, I, you know, report the news? Yeah, and my like. My feeling is if we start to filter content, uh, at, like block content, you can warn people, sure. But if you're blocking content, I think we're on a very slippery slope towards these you know, dystopian futures where, you know, just like in the Dark Ages when the Bible was kept from the people, we're, we're headed in that direction when we start censoring things. Because that, that comes back to freedom of speech and, and some of those principles that we rely on as free societies. So I think it is very important. But the requirement because you see this is the thing that humanity is exposed to far more information than we ever have been before as a society and so that's but the skill that is lacking is the ability to pass that information correctly and and decide whether it's truth or not and so this is why younger generations like generations z specifically are so much more skeptical and cynical than previous generations it's because they have to be there is so much information out there that they have to have a very, very strong filter to be able to even survive it mentally in that sort of a scenario. Whereas you go back a couple of generations, you know, baby boomers and older, you're seeing people are very trusting of the establishment, very trusting of the media they see, because back in when they were younger, the media that they saw was reliable because it was, you know, mono-channel, right? There was, they were the only media outlets available and they were reasonably well fact-checked. So, But anyway, the, the point that I'd like to point out there, though, is that if we as Christians look at that, you know, we need to 
we need to think about this from a principled perspective, right? Like if, yes. if we are looking at this as, and saying, well, you know, how do we as Christians feel about this? Well, you know, if, if they're saying something is, you know, being, you know, censored and I, I like, not talking about the president's example, but if we're talking about you know, just general posts being censored and, and kicked out because they don't harmonize with what is the accepted reality. If that was the case back in the time of Galileo or Columbus or any of those you know, luminary thinkers, they would have been the people that were censored, right? Uh, just because they were different from the overarching perspective. And if we apply that to what we believe, you know, if the world takes, as an example, let's say, uh, takes evolution as the, the worldview that is appropriate, how far do, you, do we have to go before at some point some fact checker somewhere says, well, we shouldn't allow um, anything that challenges evolution to be promoted via social media channels and then you know how big is the step to applying that to people's you know religious identity and so i think if, if it's going to be open it needs to be open for all but it's a very tough balancing act i i appreciate the fact that the companies that are trying to do it for them it's it's a minefield and i get that but i think as christians we should always support that that free flow of ideas because ultimately it can damage our 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 mission's if, if we are not careful about what we lose. Absolutely, because the reality is that freedom of religion does not exist without freedom of speech. Yes. Mm. And two, we're, that's already challenged, right? Like, very much so. Considerably. Very, very much so. We now live in an era of forced speech. Somebody pointed out to me the other day, you know, how many times have you, you know, sat in a group of people and felt uncomfortable to actually reveal where you truly do stand. Mm. And uh, this is an environment that we sort of never had in the past. There used to be a time in the past where you could be left and I could be right or I could be right and you could be – did I say the same thing again? Whatever. Um, But we could be on either side and still have, you know, good, healthy, robust conversations about various issues and and it wasn't going to be a problem, whereas now – I mean, just look at the polls in the US, wildly, wildly out of whack and increasingly so because people are increasingly – what what polls that, polls that are not revealing the truth are revealing the lack of the of freedom of speech because when people don't feel free to speak, they speak in the, in the ballot box. Interesting times in which we live. Sure is. And I think we are, I guess a conversation that's not being had as often is the fact that we are seeing these same principles reflected in in churches. You know, the in, within the church structure, you know, there's like the people that are more conservative in the way they look at the world and the way they interpret scripture. And there's people that are, are more progressive. And on both sides of that, they create their own echo chambers as well. And so even in churches, that kind of dialogue is is poorly lacking in so many places. And that's one of the things that we feel that is core to our podcast, the fact that yeah, we can have those conversations with each other and with other people that, that come on the show in a way that is not going to be inflammatory, that's not going to um, be damaging to the conversation, but instead so that we can learn from each other and, and try to get together on topics because I think it is something that is very difficult to do, even for Christians, for the very same reasons that we see it in politics. Mm, absolutely. Um, sounds like a very, very fascinating podcast that you have prepared right there. How do we access it? 
So you can get that by uh, going on to either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcasts, or you can look us on the website, which is www.oztabletalk.com.au. Oztabletalk.com.au. There you have it. That is Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk with the latest hot issues that young people are talking about. So head on over there and make sure that you listen to the podcast and listen to it regularly as it comes out once a week. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.